1: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way, back again with our views from the Clock End podcast. And this time I have taken hosting responsibilities as Kaya is away, probably having a great vacation. He's off for two weeks and Tom, yeah, Tom just wanted me to host because he can't be bothered. Tom, how are you doing this (laughs) afternoon?
0: (laughs) look, I'm so used to asking the questions. I was like, you know, why not... I want to answer the questions this time, you know. Um, So, yeah, and obviously I'm used to doing the morning shows, asking you loads of questions, so that's flip roles. But, yeah, other than that, it's almost completely right. I just can't be bothered.
1: Exactly. Can't be bothered, can't be bothered. But I just want to kick the show off because transfer season, everyone knows it's constantly busy. But from a journalist's perspective, like, how have you found it, like, this summer? Because it's only been, I think it's the start of the second week since the window's been open but so much news coming left, right and centre. How has it been uh, in terms of the day-to-day responsibilities?
0: Yeah, uh, it's been hectic because, you know, typically Arsenal stretch their business out across a window. Um, And yes, last summer we saw Zinchenko get done, I think, in July. But Gabriel Jesus was done before the first pre-season game. So was Fabio Vieira, which kind of came out of nowhere. Turner had kind of already been agreed in January and then was later announced. Marquinhos was done quite quickly too. But this summer, it's like all the high-profile deals as Arsenal back in the Champions League, you know. So, the Rice situation is drawing... You'd hope to a close soon, and I will go into more detail on that. But it's been frenetic, and obviously the constant questions that you get asked, you know, latest on this guy, latest on this guy, what's going on here? It's a thankless task, you know, quite frankly, transfer. This is why I much prefer kind of club-focused stuff rather than transfer-focused stuff, because there is little to no rewards for... Um, kind of reporting on transfers, if you like. You know, people might think, I'd, oh, you know, the reputation of being able to have an inside scoop on something and, you know, be able to get to a source first. And I'm like, yeah, like that's great and all. But at the same time, you know, as soon as you put any news out, what you typically get is someone either questioning the information that you've got or saying, well, what else is happening? Give us more news. There's no kind of, you know, it's, it is a thankless task ultimately. So, yeah, it's uh, it's mixed is what I would say. My next question perfectly ties into what I was gonna ask. DC, what's the latest on Declan Rice? <laughs> you can do one, mate. I don't want to talk about that, no. Um Declan Rice's situation continues to be open. You know, we're waiting for kind of Arsenal to make that official third bid. Um the, the, the facts of the matter are is that Declan Rice prefers a move to Arsenal over Man City. Arsenal have already had two bids rejected. Man City are willing to make a bid. This week, it seems, Um, if indeed Arsenal are unable to agree that figure, then he will go to Man City because I imagine Man City will eventually be successful if they push through. But there's optimism on the Arsenal side that Arsenal will be able to come to that agreement with uh, West Ham United over a potential move. But until they do agree that figure, Declan Rice could always still end up at Man City or any other club for that matter. It is all about how they close out this deal. It's interesting because a lot of um, fans on social media, opposing fans and also
1: Arsenal fans have been in constant discussion talking about this deal. It seems like every day we're speaking about Declan Rice. But you have a lot of ex-pro footballers speaking about the fact that it is an easy choice for Declan Rice to make if both clubs are in for him, such as Arsenal Manchester City. you got on one hand treble winners that you can go to, on the other a team that have not really won any trophies but are promising but do you think people be speaking about his mentality? In my opinion, I think if Declan Rice chooses Arsenal, I think his mentality is enormous. Mm. To reject a treble winning side, to reject Pep Guardiola, and to go to a team where he can achieve big things, a promising team, a team which is on the up. Where do you stand on this?
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think choosing Arsenal means that you are coming into a club knowing that, yes, sure, more minutes is available to you than it might be at City. And I think that's where some people's questioning of his mentality stems from, which is kind of strange, to be honest, because it's a much tougher challenge to come to Arsenal and elevate them to compete with a club like Man City as opposed to going to Man City Sitting on the bench more than you will do at Arsenal, um, and you know, just kind of contributing to what is a mechanical juggernaut of success in football, just born out of like pure financial might. So, I think when it comes to Arsenal and and Declan Rice as a partnership, there's legacy potential there. There's legendary status potential there. At a club that is far more you know, histor- historic and, um, you know, just f- better thought of, you know, than, than Manchester City. So I think you look at Jude Bellingham, for instance, I remember I think there was a quote that came out saying that he wanted to move to a club that had history and he's done that with Real Madrid and Man City were really wanting Jude Bellingham. It was said uh, that, you know, Pep Guardiola was ringing this guy up regularly to try and convince him to make that move. And in the end, it didn't matter. And he quickly told West Man City that he was going to be moving to to Real Madrid because that was the dream move that he wanted, and he got it. So I think that there's similar lines to this with Declan Rice choosing the more historic. Um, I say it's it's hard to describe Arsenal as a bigger club sometimes. Just when mm. you look at the fact that they've just won a treble, and you know they've got the Champions League, and the amount of Premier Leagues they've won is more than Arsenal. But you know, it's there's something to be said about the size of a club globally. There's said to there's something to be said about the size of a club through their history. And I know that that's something that gets kind of like I suppose in a way thrown under a bus by some people these days. You know, people say get your head out of the past, you know, you've got to move forward, think of the present. But are we just going to ignore like a hundred plus years of club history? Like, no, no, we're not going to do that. So yeah, for me, Arsenal remain a bigger club than Manchester City on kind of a a brand basis, as in what the club are. Um but obviously man city themselves uh, are setting a, an example in terms of what to win
1: yeah i know i agree with you i think when you touch on the
0: image and how arsenal
1: perceived around the world a much bigger club than manchester city look at when they go on pre-season tours to america indonesia Mm -hmm. singapore how many fans are basically wanting to come to watch arsenal play so on that basis i think you're right but it seems that Arteta has done the groundwork for the past six seven months alongside edu etc and it it seems that reports emerging in the past few weeks um basically highlight that Arteta has spoken to Declan rice Uh, very glowingly about the club the project but what I found interesting was the captain bit that he sees Mm. um, Declan Rice as a future Arsenal captain which from my side I could understand it because he obviously captains West Ham he's got that leadership personality but when you have someone in the mode of Martin Odegaard already who in my opinion leads by example is a very good captain anyways do you find that a bit interesting
0: yeah, uh, it's it's a tough one. I think that what we've come to expect from Arsenal is that this summer you're going to see them go into the market and absolutely try and get their their key players. the the, the money that they're going to offer is going to be competitive. Um, the the fees they're going to offer to clubs is going to be competitive. And if they secured if they secure Declan Rice, you've got there a player that is for the next. What would you say? Six to eight years is going to be, you know, your leader in the midfield going forward. So, yeah. In in short, you know, I just think the way Arsenal are going about all of this, the way in which the player side of things is is developing, his openness to join Arsenal, his preference, the work that Arsenal have done with with him and Mikel Arteta as well, all of that combines, I think, to to make this deal lean more in the direction of Arsenal and. It's difficult not to read too much into, like you asked, but I, I'm trying not to read too much into stuff and just kind of go based off the facts and speculate. But there is a lot of interesting things surrounding this deal, and Edu's hinting as well. You know, like the the pictures of uh, of a bowl of rice uh, on his <laughs> wife's Instagram story is is great. You know, stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm, the Arsenal social media, the experts they're always out in full force.
1: Like, did you see that picture of Edu with the? Uh, I think he's wearing one earphone. He had one earphone in one ear, and then he's just smiling. Yeah. You have to read the signals. like You have to read the signs. Anyone, if if someone in that position was a bit upset or thought to themselves, look, this still isn't going to happen, mm. you wouldn't be uploading pictures left, right and centre because you know the Arsenal fan base would be an uproar. But hopefully, judging by Edu and his pictures of the Royal escort, hopefully there is a bit of positivity. But before we uh, move away from Declan Rice, I just want to get... One more um opinion of yours before we do move on. Ozul, Alexis Sanchez, we've had big players in the past, uh, where we've signed from big clubs such as Real Madrid, the Barcelonas of this world. In my opinion, I think if we were to bring in Declan Rice, it would be our biggest signing since Sol Campbell. Mm. Where do you stand on this?
0: Yeah, I think Sol Campbell's the obvious comparison, not because obviously the English background as well, but you know signing a player that obviously breaks our transfer record for someone that's in the England national team that's a captain of their club at a really early age i think it eclipses the Ozil, it eclipses the the alexis because those were deals of players to signal that Arsenal could spend again. Arsenal were looking on the way up again. This is a signing that says Arsenal are ready to challenge. You know, this is this is Arsenal coming for you, Manchester City. And, you know, we're willing to do what it takes to do that. So, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah, this since Sol Campbell, I think Sol Campbell is the biggest signing of Premier League era in terms of the gravity of what it meant at the time and making being, Arsenal be able to convince him to make that switch across North London. Um and obviously there wasn't the social media hype around it as well that feeds into it somewhat but with this Declan Rice deal the expectation the the quality of the player the fact that you'd be beating Manchester City to the player as well all of those factors I think as well as the record signing tag too makes this yeah the biggest signing since Sol Campbell
1: no I agree 100% it was interesting that Mikra then Um, an interview yesterday with Spanish outlet Marca and he spoke about the fact that uh, if Arsenal do want to go on to win the Premier League title next season they have to strengthen Mm. Um, his disappointment at the fact that they missed out on the title last season but he thinks it stemmed from injuries to a number of crucial players such as William Saliba but do do you like his openness because I think he he understands that when things weren't going right at Arsenal and he was struggling and there was a lot of criticism towards the manager and mm. a lot of people were saying we should sack him we shouldn't give him time. He 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 understands the fact that the boardroom backed him at that time in that crucial mm. period and it seems from when I listen to him talk and I see him uh, do a lot of interviews he wants to repay that faith back and he wants to win at this football club even if PSG are interested. Even if the Real Madrids of this world are interested, and it seems that he wants to win trophies at this football club.
0: Mm. Yeah, look, he will leave Arsenal one day. That will happen because he's such a young age. You know, he's not gonna. This isn't a Sir Alex Ferguson situation. You know, this is like the reverse of that. If you like, Um, and he will move on, and Arsenal will end one day. Probably have to face a team that is managed by Mikel Arteta, and that's going to be a very strange day. But you're right. Right now, I think he feels the the backing of the boards. I think that there is an understanding between I think there's a really harmonious and supportive relationship between Arteta and the owners. Um the last contract they gave him was a significant improvement in terms as well. And he was very much, you know, obviously he you know, money's talks in football and stuff like that. But if you're a coach and a young coach of that and you finished, you know, outside of the top four uh you know, you've missed out on the champions league that season and they still back him with like that level of promotion and that level of and they changed him to a manager after just one season or he won the fa cup so they have just continued to back him and push him the problem that he has and the thing that we've discussed on the morning show sometimes is if we don't start getting the targets that he wants that's when i think questions start to come into his head and uh It seems like there's a lot of optimism about Rice. Havertz is a player that he wanted. It was an opportunity that came up in the window. We got it done quickly. Timber looks like it's moving in the right direction as well. I'm sure we'll come on to him. And Rice, if you can sign Rice, you've shown that you can get a big, big deal done. That's the priority of the club when you're competing against a side that is more competitive in competitions than you are in the case of Man City. And you can get that deal done. But yeah, the club have backed him. There's a great relationship between him and the owners and his executives as well. And that doesn't look like breaking anytime soon.
1: Last summer, we, we made a sign in which was a left field Fabio Vieira. Not mm-hmm. many Arsenal fans had heard of him. Uh, it came out of nowhere. This summer, similar with Timber. Again, came out of left field. Uh, I was at the airport and I was on my phone and my friend sent me an Ornstein tweet. I was thinking Havertz or uh, Declan Rice. Uh, and I saw Timber. And first initial reaction, I thought, what a signing this could be. Mm. Like, it fits everything that we want from what we're looking at in terms of that hybrid role, inverted role, someone that can play in a number of positions. And I thought, yeah, this is very, very good business. Arsenal have done their due diligence. And this just seems like a signing that I think will work. How did you feel when that, when that link came about?
0: Yeah, I've I was a bit bowled over by it to be honest, because um, there'd been no real indications prior to that um, that he was a player that Arsenal were, you know, really looking at in terms of yes, there's been interest, yes, they've scouted him for some time, but in th- in terms of moving on the player, there had been no indications really up until a week before David Ornstein, you know, confirms the first bid had gone in for the player, so. I, I'm so excited about this deal. I'm really excited about the fact that he's gone under the radar as well because of the Kai uh, Ka- Havertz and the Declan Rice situation. No one's really talking about Timber right. in the same fashion. Yes, we're talking about it a bit at the moment because, of course, the second bid has has gone in to my understanding and um, there's talks that have been agreed in terms of personal terms on the player's side, and it's moving in a very good direction. But I think that, overall, it still managed to go relatively under the radar because simply that the other two players are of, of such more well-known stature in the Premier League than Timber. And it also kind of breaks away somewhat. And you used a good comparison in Fabio Vieira. I hope that he's more successful, of course, than yeah. Fabio Vieira, who has struggled. And I hope that this season he can improve and, and build on what he's done already. But I think that with Timber coming from abroad, it breaks the mould of what Arteta's has looked to do in the market. He's mm-hmm. He's moved towards more Premier League-proven signings. And when it's come to finding a competitive option to his existing starters in Ben White and William Saliba, he's, I think, identified the fact that you're probably not necessarily going to get that from a Premier League player right now. And so you're better off going abroad and looking to a player that's playing regularly for both of their clubs and national team and can operate in the right-back and right-sided centre-back positions. And Timber is the perfect fit. Like, if you'd have asked me what player is perfect for the position that we need to give back up and support to Wyatt and, and Saliba. You know, I probably wouldn't have been clever enough to, to come up with Timber, but, I uh, did. you know... I <laughs> did. No I did. So I put my hands up. I did. You know, like... He, he's he gone under the radar a lot this yeah. season, you know, I, because obviously playing at Ajax, you know, Ajax have not had the best season in the Eredivisie, you know, PSV and Feyenoord have, have looked better. Uh, Final have had a great season, obviously, you know, winning the Eredivisie title for the first time, I think in something like six or so years. Um, but actually haven't had the best season. They lost, they've lost. they lost so many of their big talents. They lost, you know, Lissandra Martinez left. They brought in Owen Vindal. They changed the whole back four, I think. Daily Blint left as well. Um, so Timber's basically been playing with a whole new back line and stood out. And obviously for the Netherlands side, as we talked about this morning, he played in the World Cup. He didn't start the first game against Senegal, but he played every single game up until their elimination against Argentina. And, you know, Arsenal... Looking and tr- and moving for him is such a smart piece of business by them.
1: You look at our defence and the options that we could have um, at the start of next season. Timba, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Tom Yasu. Mm. Tini's future is still uncertain. He could potentially say uh, Ben White. We mm. are stacked in the defensive department. But in your eyes and in your opinion, do you think like Timba is going to be that inverted role? like someone that can basically rotate. Um, because in my eyes, I think give him a few months and once he gets settled into the Arsenal team, he could potentially displace Ben White. I know Ben White has that very good relationship with Bakaya Saka, but we want players that can come in and make the other player better in a way. And I think last uh, towards the end of um, the season, we struggle with that because obviously no dis- disrespect to Rob Holding, but he's not really uh, a scratch on William Saliba. He he does his job to the best of his ability, but there's a big dip when when Saliba's in, out of the team. But I think if Saliba, say, we dropped him for one game, I think Timber could sl- slot in nicely in that position. If Ben White needed a rest, I think he could slot into that position. So versatility and strength in numbers is good, isn't it, for this Arsenal team?
0: Hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think also you consider... Manchester City signing of of Manuel Akanji last Mm. summer. And I think that's a really good kind of comparison to this. And he's played, you know, the majority of games he's played at centre-half, but he's also played at right-back. He's also played left-back against us. And I think that Timber will occupy, I think, the centre-half position the most to, to begin with, I think, you know, you'll see him rotate with Saliba. I think Gabriel will, will come out. I think Saliba can play on the left-hand side of that back too, and Timber can partner Saliba. You know, there's so much choice, you know, now, which is what's so great. What I, what the big question is, and I'm, I'm doing a piece on this, that's uh, that would have gone out by the time this is out, um, about how, a lot of what the business we're doing this summer is reliant upon Mikel Arteta improving the biggest area of development that he's got which is his rotation his in-game management and his substitutions that's the biggest part of Arteta's you know coaching the role that he has that needs to improve needs to get better and that comes with time and experience which he's not got much of you know at this level so this season i'm hoping that we do see a successful Uh, element of rotation that we've not necessarily seen uh, under Arteta so far and that we see subs being brought on earlier in games we see if we're leading you know in a really tough fixture we can bring on Timber at times or you know if you want to change things up and tactically change things you could bring off one of your defenders and and move Timber into the back three or back four depending on what you're doing so I think there are lots of things to be said about what we might do um, with Timber coming into the team but I think the biggest thing is being reliant upon what Arteta can do in terms of his rotation. But I still think that centre-half probably will be where he fits in the most.
1: Interesting, interesting. Kai Havertz, I know you're a big mm. fan. You're excited about this sign-in. Again, a sign-in that came out of nowhere, it seemed at the start of the window, we mm. linked with uh, Mason Mount. It seemed that was the interest that we had in the Chelsea player. But obviously, that that link died down. And it seems that Kai Havertz um, came about out of nowhere, to be honest. But Mikhail has spoken to him. Um, Again, spoken highly about the club, the project, and Carl Havertz is on board. But again, another signing, which I'm very, very excited about.
0: Mm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I was asked yesterday who I thought the most exciting transfer Arsenal could do this summer, and I think it is Kai Havertz, mainly because it's such an unknown factor. And, you know, if, if Arsenal and Arteta in particular can get the best out of Kai Havertz and begin to unlock the player that was coming through at Bayer Leverkusen in the German national team, but has been frankly just completely misused at Chelsea, you know, Arsenal have got an opportunity to... Not only kind of like have an amazing player, but Arteta's got a chance to show everybody and other players as well that we could sign that, you know, this is a place where you will be given a new leash of life. You know, if, if it's a high profile player that's not at the best of times at a club, or if it's a player that's looking to improve or develop, maybe even into their latter years, Kai kind of Havertz is going to be a case study and an example to hold, you know, other players. To, and I think Granite Xhaka was that previously and I think Xhaka and his progression has probably been a big convincing factor for Kai Havertz in seeing what Arteta can do for a player but also I think the open space that is there for Xhaka leaving, you know, the partner I don't want to call it the Xhaka role, the left eight role I just want to call it Martin Odegaard's midfield partner is what mm-hmm. I want to call it and I think that Kai Havertz being Odegaard's partner is such an exciting Thing to think about having both of those players supporting the front attacking three. Like we talk about Arsenal's attacking three, and think you know it's probably one of the best in the league with Jesus, Saka, and, and Martinelli. And you added Erdegaard's fifteen goals, non-penalty goals, into that last season, and you've all of a sudden got a team scoring the most goals as ever scored in a Premier League season. I think with eighty-eight. So Kai kind of Havertz added to that as well. You know, Saka got seven goals, seven assists, all competitions. I can absolutely. I'm sure that, that Havertz can get more than that if he's on form. If you find him the the, the ability and the, the chances that he had at Leverkusen, I think that he got something like 17 goals one season for Leverkusen. I think he scored 12 and got six assists in his last season with Leverkusen. You know, I know he played some games at False Nine, but you know, though that level of goal output. And the off-the-ball work rate he has as well mm. is really good. And certainly a trade that Arteta likes in players. So for me, I'm genuinely most excited about Havertz just to see what he does. Because if we were talking about Arsenal back in 2020 as the club that signed him, everyone'd yeah. be over the moon with that deal. But we're not. We're talking about in 2023, after three unsuccessful years at Chelsea, a player that's, you know, kind of like you know that um John Travolta meme, where he's like yeah, looking yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's looking for some form, and I'm oh, hoping yeah. that Arsenal can kind of find
1: that for him. He made a great point. I think in 2020, uh, anyone would have taken Kai Havertz. He mm. was killing it over in uh, the Bundesliga, and I think Chelsea wasn't the right club for him, even when they were linked with him. I thought this yeah. could go wrong because Liverpool Chelsea, were really, after him. yeah,
0: exactly. That would have been a great club.
1: You know, think about the Firmino role. He exactly, was great yeah, perfect. in the Firmino role. perfect under Jurgen Klopp as well so system in football I think is a big thing and I think Chelsea inconsistent they played him in a number of positions which he isn't suited to and I think things haven't just gone right for Kai Havert so Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful and fingers crossed I think he will be a success at Arsenal. Um, Romeo Lavia it seems a lot of teams are coming onto the table now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Liverpool just this past few hours uh, have an interest in Lavia It seems Arsenal have done a lot of groundwork with his agent, Chelsea are still linked. This is an interesting deal as well because at the start of the window, everyone was talking about Moises Caicedo, Moises Caicedo, Les in Raicedo. Obviously that fascination there. But Lavia, again, he's an interesting one. I watched him when we drew 3-3 against Southampton and I thought he was one of the best players on the park. Like, so press resistant, uh, very quick. Obviously he has those issues with injuries, But at 19 years of age, he's one for the future, isn't
0: he? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think his injury history is that bad. I know it's something that people bring up. You know, whenever I've been asked about Lavia, someone always mentions his injury history, but he's Mm. had one. Like, he he missed eight games for Southampton over an extended period between August 30th and, and October 24th. He missed the first part of the season. But other than that period, he started, I think, every game bar one. Mm, Yeah, I think uh, two. Two games in the Premier League he missed um, through injury. Uh, Sorry, every game he started uh, and two games he didn't start and the rest that were missed were because of that hamstring problem that he had. So I just don't think that I don't think it's necessarily a you know something I'd look to and say that's a reason not to sign him because I don't think he's got that many issues regarding injuries to be honest at all. What we do have is a player great technical ability really good on the ball wins loads of fouls uh, which was great for Southampton because they had James Ward-Prowse of course uh, mm-hmm. to be able to use those set pieces and i think actually that maybe that took things away from what he's actually capable of doing i think they recognized how good his technical ability was and how good he was at winning uh, free kicks fouls he won i think he won more penalties than like, yeah, like any other player or something like in the league something silly uh, as a midfielder um, he was in something like the 90th percentile for winning penalties on fb ref so i assume it must be one of the highest in the premier league if not the highest and i think maybe that that style that uh Celes and Hassan Huttall used use Lavia for to try and win uh free kicks and stuff actually took away from what he's capable of if he plays in a possession-based side that have more of the ball that allow him to be the the, the progressive player that he is it's just a question mark about how many minutes he actually would get at Arsenal if he was to sign. And this Liverpool interest is interesting because I think he would get more minutes at Liverpool than he mm-hmm. would get at Arsenal. They've got Europa League football next season which means they're going to rotate plenty especially in the group stage and in the early stages of the knockout as well. I think that that midfield has been obviously in desperate need of, of improving. They've brought in McAllister. They've got interest in the likes of Kone, I think it is and uh, Kefran Turam as well. Mm-hmm. Let's see if if they move on those two because they're very talented players but... Fabinho's been pretty off it in the last couple of seasons. Um, Curtis Jones hasn't necessarily developed into the player that I thought they thought he was going to be, neither has Harvey Elliott, although he did have that serious injury that he suffered as well. And then Thiago's obviously reaching kind of the latter stages of his career, and I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to be the guy moving forward that, that starts. They've moved on Naby Cater as well. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's been moved on as well. So I feel like there is open doors at Liverpool for Lavia, more so than at Arsenal, because unless there's injuries you know, Partey, Jorginho, Rice. If if Partey goes to got Jorginho, Rice it can be difficult to get in that position. And then if Havertz is to be the partner of Erdegaard, you've got Vieira, you've got Smith-Rowe that I think can also play in that position. So it's not immediately obvious that Lavia gets the minutes, which is interesting because we say if Partey moves and Xhaka uh. moves, we feel like we needed three midfielders. But when you actually talk through it and you're thinking, well, where are these guys going to play? Maybe it's because we're not thinking about Havertz as much of a midfielder as maybe the club are thinking about him and maybe we need to start thinking about him more so as an option to partner Odegaard and that might change the dynamic somewhat but yeah, it'll be an interesting one to follow. But at the moment, in terms of where Arsenal are at, they've not made an offer. I've not even heard of any talks with Southampton specifically on this deal. I've only heard of kind of the on the players' side and the, with, the, with the agent side, there's, there's said to be some really positive... Because he shares an agent with Pakaya Saka. So Arsenal are on really good terms with them. I think Lavia is open to the idea of moving to Arsenal. But with clubs like Liverpool coming forward, it'll be interesting to see if he's more tempted by potentially more minutes elsewhere. Do you think we would need the midfielder though if Partey
1: was to depart?
0: In your yeah, opinion? I think so. Yeah, because I, I I rate Jorginho a lot and I like him a lot and I'm glad he's going to stay for the Soundings mm. because there were whispers that Lazio wanted him. If Partey, it sucks that Partey might move on in a way and, and like for, footballistically, he's a really obvious competitor to Rice and you know you've got the chance there to to rotate to mm. have competition, but if he's not sure that he's going to get enough minutes if Rice is coming in and that Arteta is not going to play both of them together often enough because Havertz is coming in and potentially partnering Odegaard, then I can understand why he might want to move on. And I can understand why Juventus would be his preference over moving to Saudi Arabia from a competitive level. But I think it was Charles Watts reported that, you know, he, he, he signed for Arsenal to help them back into the Champions League. He's got them there. And then the suggestions are he could go. And it doesn't make that much sense. So... I, you know, I hope he stays. I hope we've got good competition in the team next season and that we don't have to sign somebody. But if he does go, then you're probably right. I think we probably do because if Rice gets injured, then you're just down to Jorginho at six and you're well, obviously Nenny's there. But for a team that want to fight for titles, I think you need something else as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. We're going to take a few
0: of your questions um,
1: from Twitter. Um, start off with Marcus TC. If we sign Timber, Havertz, Rice and Lavia, who else do we need to make a uh, sign to make it a 10 out of 10 window? Realistic signings only, assuming Partey and Tierney stay.
0: Yeah, it's a good question because, like, if you keep Tierney, oh. if you keep Partey, and you add those four to this group, you've got yeah. a really competitive squad. yeah. And at the window, I was saying, I think we need five or six signings, you know? <laughs> and I look back and reflect on those. that idea of signing five or six. And now I'm thinking, well, Tim oh, is probably staying uh, at the moment unless things drastically change. I've spoken to a couple of people that think that it is still likely he'll move on. Um, but it's gone very quiet on that front. There's been no movement from Newcastle at this stage. There's been suggestions that Newcastle are interested in Kukurea as well. So that could change things. But, uh, yeah... I- I'm not sure who you'd add. I suppose another midfielder, maybe Amadou Anana from Everton. You know, I did a piece this morning that went out about kind of the surprise signings that you might see. Mm-hmm. If Tierney moves on, you'd expect a left-back, and i highlighted Owen Vindal from Ajax as potentially, you know, really bringing two Ajax defenders this mm-hmm. th- this summer. Um, but yeah, maybe Amadou Anana. And then the other option is is another centre-forward. Because if Havertz is going to play in midfield with uh, Odegaard, and you are going to let Balogun go. I'd like to see something different brought into that forward line as well, potentially. Even maybe in a wide area, there's suggestions that there could be a, a shock sign. We've seen all those links to Moussa Diaby, of course. So I think there's scope for another. But I really think that Havertz, Rice, Lavia and Timber, you're bordering on a 9 out of 10 window with just those four you know, if not already. So, yeah, I'm. Ve- if, if it ends up just being those four and Tierney stays and potentially Balogun stays and Partey stays, I think you're looking at a potential close to 10 out of 10 window just with those four and those players staying.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it just depends on the outgoings. I mm-hmm. think if Partey stays, Tierney stays, and we get those four in... Think for me it's a perfect window because yeah, we've not really um, decreased the squad quality. I know Shaka will probably depart, but other than that, it would still be a strong squad. So no, mm. I agree with that. Um, got a question from C underscore Gar underscore ATO. Do you think our current players pay attention to the transfer sagas at all? Oh, does it have any effect on the perception of the front office staff? Don't understand the front office staff.
0: Uh, I think they would mean like Edu and, and okay. you know, what do they think of them? Uh, I can tell you for a fact, they absolutely do. You know, uh, they really do uh, look at the transfer rumours because at the end of the day, it's like, it's a weird kind of scenario where you're in a job where your future colleagues that you're working with are kind of like they're yeah. all celebrities for starters you know they're all high profile individuals in the social sphere and it's your intrigue to who you could be playing with next season you know you might end up playing with Khan Havertz and Declan Rice and some of these players obviously play with them on an international level so I can I can be I can guarantee I don't know this for a fact but I'm like effectively guaranteeing you Saka will be texting Rice like I'm looking forward to playing with you next season wink wink you know, all that stuff <laughs> you can be sure that that's probably going on behind the scenes so yeah they absolutely do I know for a fact from speaking to players that they are you know they always kind of keep tabs on things and stuff but um it's 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 a really strange dynamic in the world of work where like your potential future colleagues are like reported on and you know the fact that they might be coming to the team is is speculating so much in terms of their perception of like edu I don't think so necessarily because you got to remember that to the majority of this squad Edu is the reason that they're at the squad you know he helped negotiate those deals as did Arteta as did the other executive staff at the club so their view of those people is going to be good anyway because they got them into Arsenal and there are their other colleagues as well and they've really supported them and Edu in particular especially for the Brazilian uh, Portuguese speaking group of players you know Martinelli we saw in the all or nothing documentary confides in Edu a lot speaks to Edu a lot and I think there's a lot of that with the, that group of players in particular because of the communication that's there and the the background that's there as well. So, yeah, I, I don't think that it's going to affect necessarily the, a view of, of Edu. If Arsenal say, didn't sign Rice, would Saka be angry at Edu? I don't <laughs> think so. Um Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed new deals for starters. So, yeah, interesting question, though. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, Declan Rice,
1: he follows Scott Havertz on Instagram. I saw it the other day. He's liking all his pictures. And I was like, where's that really? come from? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's that come from? I was like, very, very intrigued by that. So, again... <laughs> It's, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's another good point. Um, I've got a question there for you, T C. With Reece Nelson still not officially signing a new contract, do you think it could be potentially wise to allow him to depart and bring in Javi Simmons as a replacement?
0: Well, um, for starters, Reece Nelson, to our understanding, you know there there's confidence about that deal being done, uh, if not already. It's kind of one of those where we're in this weird limbo now. All this yeah. noise happened in June. Um, sorry, in uh, in May and uh, at the start of June about what would happen with Nelson's contract and that he'd agreed a new five-year deal with the club as well. But we're still waiting on this announcement. We don't know when it's going to happen. It could be that Nelson's away at the moment and that, you know, they're waiting for him to come back from his holidays before they put together an announcement video similar to the Saliba situation. As soon as we found out that that was kind of agreed it's gone very quiet we've not seen an announcement yet we're kind of expecting that and i think it's because the players are away on their on their holidays at the moment and they're waiting for a good time to announce them they've got a pre-season tour you know what a great time to announce contracts you know during that period get the hype going on Xavi simmons um obviously nelson plays in a position that Xavi simmons can play uh, so does Odegaard so does Havertz so does you know uh, Martinelli so does Jesus he's very versatile he can play centre forward right wing left wing midfield 8-10 you know he's such a versatile option I'd love to see him signed even if we renewed Therese Nelson because I think he's one of those talents out there that if you've got a chance of signing him it's worth doing it you know I think it's worth getting him through the door and if he was say our fifth deal of the summer on top of the four that we've already talked about you know that's a you're talking 10 out of 10 now you know, with Xavi Simmons being added to that. So, yeah, I mean, even if uh, Nelson does not sign or sign, which we're expecting him to sign, I think that Xavi Simmons would be a great and relatively economically viable option for Arsenal to go for this summer.
1: One more last question I have for you. Uh, it's an mm. interesting one. A few summers ago, remember when it will be departed and that came mm. out of left field? towards the end of the window. No one expected it. Deadline day, I think, wasn't it? Deadline day. Nobody expected Hmm. it. And I could see something similar happening in this window towards the end of it. Someone departing the club after we've made our signings, done our business. Hmm. Someone going, which is a bit left field. Someone which you don't expect. If you had to pick one player that it could potentially be, who do you think it would be? Because I look at Eddie and Ketia, for example, and I look at Flo Balligan. I think Arteta will give... Balogun a chance in preseason mm. to basically allow him to showcase uh, his ability. And I look at that link uh, with the Cronkies. I know it may not seem much of a link, but the fact that he's the number one poster boy for the US national team, surely mm. in the back of Josh Cronkies' head, Stan Cronkies' head, they may think to themselves, he- he's the number one striker for the US ahead yeah. of the World Cup. Yeah. Would it be wise to allow him to depart? So that's why I'm looking at Eddie and Ketty, because with Kyle Havertz coming in as well, I know they may not play in the same position. Kyle Havertz potentially will play in the left side, the midfield position. But mm-hmm. Eddie and Ketter might think to himself, maybe it could be the opportunity and time for me to leave this football club.
0: Mm. I, I think that I think the Emil Smith-Roy rumors have been put to bed now. I think yeah. he's staying. Yeah. I think the one player, which is difficult because he's injured at the moment is Takira Tomiyasu. Interesting. Um, because Kivio's come in, and Kivio's played at left-back. Timber's coming in, who obviously can play and cover at right-back as well. But I think the fact that he's injured is probably, probably stopping him from going. Hmm. But, yeah, it, and obviously that's a surprise. I, I've not heard anything to suggest that he might be wanting out, but... It's just based upon the players that are coming in yeah. and seeing Kivio play at left-back a couple of games in a row. Um, Fabio Vieira, maybe if we got like a good <laughs> bid, you know, maybe they would be open to that because obviously with Havertz coming in, it's harder for Fabio to, to get more minutes. Um, okay, yeah, what, 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 yeah, I was about to say he was the last one and Ketty, yeah. I think, maybe. Uh, but again, like you'd have to keep hold of Balogun. I think you know that I don't think they'd let Inketia go if they're not going to bring someone in or Balogun stays. So, and that's like why I look would of Balogun do. though, man. I like the look of Balogun. Like, yeah, so do I. Like, yeah. I, if it was up to me, I would say to West Ham, you know, because there's apparently interest from in them. Hmm. We'll do you a cut price deal on Inketia hmm. to get some money off the rice deal. Let's say we'll let him go for twenty million rather than twenty five or thirty, which is I think probably what they would ask for. And keep Balogun, you know, and then have a dynamic of because people have not even mentioned Trossard, you know, who can also yeah. cover at center forward. Jesus, Trossard, Havertz, and Balogun is your center, central forward options. That's a great roster of players to play that position. So, yeah, I, yeah, that's what I would do. But obviously, you need the suitors, you need to agree, for, and getting needs to agree to leave, which after a year of a new contract isn't ever really that likely. So, let's, let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, I look at that finish the other day. I think it was against Canada. Mm-hmm. And
1: I look at all, our strikers, Gabriel Jesus, Eddie and Keita. In the back of my mind, I don't think anyone would have produced that finish, to be honest. Mm. I look at that run. The run was very nice. And the way he just pits in the back of the net. Yeah. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of conflicting reports. Maybe Arsenal do think it's the perfect time to sell him. But again,
0: it remains to be seen. But if If, if the question mark in Arteta's head is, is this guy good enough to start? I don't know how he can have that question mark anymore because you've sent him on loan to a Liga side or a mid-table. And if your expectation is that the reason why you sent him out on loan is because you're still making your mind up about him, Mm. he could have done no more. Like He could have done absolutely no more in that loan besides scoring the same amount of goals as Erling Haaland in Liga. You know, uh, to convince Arteta that he's worthy of, of a chance. And if if his expectation is to start for Arsenal off the first bat of the season, that's unrealistic on Balogun's part. But if his expectation is to be the number two, I don't think that's an unfair expectation from mm. following Balogun, to be honest. So that I think Arteta has a lot to think about. And I think, you know, what's... I, the longer he stays this summer, as in the longer it goes on without any concrete kind of bids or talks or suggestions he's leaving, if he gets on that Germany plane to Nuremberg yeah, and then he gets on the US tour and plays, the more minutes he plays, obviously, and hopefully scores, maybe that will change the dynamic of the latter stage of the window.
1: It's interesting. It is interesting. I agree with you. I think yeah, the longer... Um, the longer he plays, the long more minutes he has. I think in his mind, it could it could switch, and he may want to stay at Arsenal. But let's mm-hmm. see, let's see what happens. Tom, it's been a pleasure. Forty minutes of Arsenal transfer related talk. Always love it. Appreciate you for jumping on, mate.
0: No, of course, always a pleasure, my friend. Good to be on uh, on this side of the uh, the divide, answering the questions instead. No, no, we love it. We love
1: it. But yeah, let us know in the comments how you think our chat has gone. Um, do you agree with myself and Tom in terms of the Tech and Rice uh, talk, Kaya Habers talk? We'll be interested to get your thoughts and opinion. But yeah, we'll hopefully have a show for you again next week with Kaya back, I think.
0: Uh, he's not, I don't know if he's back. Is it next week he's back or the week after? Whenever he's back, he'll be back. But Tom's exactly. Tom Tom, Tom's away
1: for a few days. He's gonna be jetting up in Copenhagen. So have a good (laughs) trip, uh, TC. But yeah, if you've enjoyed the show, drop a like, comment, and make sure to keep following us down the Arsenal way.